Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm here with Josh Smith, a school counselor for the Western School District in Spring Arbor, Michigan. When Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced an advisory group of 25 statewide leaders in education and healthcare, she named Josh to the council. This task force guides the governor on her decision-making regarding returning to learn during the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition to being a school counselor, Josh is a lead facilitator for the Michigan College Access Network and a counselor at A Healing Place in Jackson. Josh, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Lynn, thanks for having me today. It's a privilege to be able to speak with you and the listeners to your podcast. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'd like to start by just hearing a little bit about you. So if you wouldn't mind, could you tell me how you came to be a school counselor and a little bit about what your career has been like until now? Absolutely. So I started my career after uh, graduating college in, in uh, 2004 from Spring Arbor University, I was a teacher, so I did uh, teaching in the high school for three years with, uh, with adolescents ages 14 through 18. And uh, during those first uh, three years after graduation and going into teaching, I went back and uh, received my master's degree in counseling. Thankfully, the year after I graduated, I was able to start doing school counseling at Western High School, where I'm currently at. Awesome. So it seems like um, you kind of knew early on how you wanted to help um, students and families. And um, I see with everything that you're doing, it just seems like it's it's one big link of um, helping and, and he- you know, healing people really reaching out. And so I wonder what you're seeing in terms of how students and families are faring at this time. You know, it's such an unusual time. And I wonder, um, you know, what you and your school counseling department have done to support students uh, since this pandemic began. Well, I appreciate that, Lynn. It really feels like a compliment to be able to say that we're we're helping people or that mm-hmm. I'm helping people. And that's really, you really hit the nail right on the head that that's one of the reasons I wanted to get into education to begin with. But then also counseling is to work with people and to help them. And the, the beautiful thing about being a counselor is you can always feel like you can put someone in a better situation than they were in before. And, you know, we're, we're definitely not miracle workers and we're not going to solve every problem every time. But I feel like when people talk about what's going on in their lives and you're able to give them some sort of uh, different, differing perspective or different way to think about things or some strategies or things to equip them to handle it better, you've always put them um, in a place where they're more successful or uh, more likely to be successful than they were before. Um, so that's, that's really the great thing about working with people, especially in the counseling field. Now, as far as uh, the families that we've been working with and different things that we're seeing. So again, I work in the, in the school setting for the school year. And then in the summers, I'm doing a lot of work with uh, a healing place as a, as a provider for people of all ages. So we, we do see a lot of anxiety, especially heightened anxiety um, during 
you know, such a, a significant situation like COVID-19 is. So we're seeing a lot of the anxiety, you know, it, it's understandable and it's okay. I, you know, if you're a listener right now and you're hearing this podcast and you're, you're experiencing more anxiety, that's completely normal. That is okay. And it, it's okay. Don't be hard on yourself for being a little wor- more worried or anxious during this time. I think that if people were honest, most people are feeling the same way. So don't be, don't be upset with yourself. Um, You know, and we're going to get into some more education focused questions in a minute, but I just wonder while we're on this topic, if you might have any tips or strategies, you know, for the average listener, um, things they can do every day just to sort of lessen that anxiety or um, face it, you know, rather than, than run from it or let it eat them up. That's a great question. And I want people to know that uh, as a counselor, I myself struggle with anxiety. Um, so I'm coming at this from a professional viewpoint, but also from a personal viewpoint. Uh, I'd like to take just a moment to explain that if I could. Sure. Um, so I'm a three-time cancer survivor, and I'm only 38 years old. Uh, so I know what significant anxiety is like being that I've had cancer three times. I've had to have some major surgeries and I've gone through chemotherapy, uh, two times. And so I know what it's like to really be anxious, especially in the health area of our lives. So every ache and pain, I'm just the way my brain has now been programmed. I, I worry that it's, it's the worst case scenario. And I know that anxiety can be absolutely crippling and difficult. People might not give it the due recognition until they've experienced that kind of anxiety. So it's very real. And again, it's okay to struggle with it. Uh, one of the things that I would recommend, and most, most listeners um, will, will know these things already, um, but I'm going to give you a few more that maybe might be helpful too. First one, of course, is deep breathing. And that's often what we forget to do is to take the deep cleansing breaths and they call it uh, smelling the flower and blowing out the candle. So it's the big, you know, the big, the big inhale and the slow, uh, steady exhale. And if you can do that five or six times, it really does help calm the situation that you're in. Uh, the second thing that's very uh, useful is are things like uh, journaling or listening to music, exercising, eating right, sleeping enough. Uh, those are all the common things that are, are very helpful and useful. Um, but I'd like to give you two more that are really uh, great tools that everyone can use. Is that okay? Yes, please. All right. So the first one is uh, set three alarms on your phone. And uh, when those alarms go off, you really want to have something in mind that's positive to think about. So we're, we're getting so inundated with negatives, whether it is the news and coronavirus or the political situation or the cultural, social situation, constant negative feedback from that area. Even social media can do that. Sometimes it can come from our friends, our, our family. And sometimes even it can even come from ourselves. And there's so much negative that sometimes we have to retrain our brains to think positively, if that makes sense. Yeah. So by setting three alarms during the day, you can start to retrain your brain to think more positively. So if it's morning, uh, lunchtime, and dinner time, and that alarm goes off on your phone, and you take a quick look at it, and you go, okay, here's something I can be thankful for. And have that, that thing or that person or thought ready to go. So for me, it's, it's my children. I love my four children. They're 11, 9, 7, and 4. And I think about them, and I'm so thankful for them. And that might be 
the first time my, my alarm goes off, I think about my kid. Uh, and it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, earth-shattering things. It can just be simple things that you're thankful for. It could be, I made dinner tonight and it was good. You know, just find little things. Now, if you do that for weeks at a time, pretty soon you won't even need the alarms anymore. And you're going to start to think positively on your own. And that's, that's kind of the CBT or the cognitive behavioral therapy approach to thinking differently, thinking better, mm-hmm. um, and, and training yourself to think more positively. Awesome. That's great. I'm going to try it. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. So, all right, cool. I think we have some good tools, which is excellent. We all need them at this time. There's no question. Um, so I want to pivot and talk a little bit about the honor of being named to the governor's task force, which is super, super cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about that experience and how you've served in a guiding capacity for um, Governor Whitmer's decisions regarding learning during the pandemic? I appreciate the question. And it's, it was an honor. It is an honor to, to currently serve. We're, we're technically on the council until December. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, we have many meetings that we attend every week. Uh, and so it's a, it's a privilege and an honor. And I appreciate the opportunity. So they told us in the first meeting that there's a better chance of getting into Harvard than getting onto that council. I think it was less than 2% chance, less than okay. 2% chance. And uh, there were 1,800 applications. Uh, so it really is a privilege and it's been a a very collaborative group effort from I think 27 different people from all walks of life from students to parents to board members to uh, senators to the governor and uh, those of us who are educators and school counselors and of course most most importantly doctors mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of people in that group and it's been a great experience and w- there's a lot to, to tackle and a lot to think about so um, again it's a privilege to be on that committee amazing you know I'm a mom of four as well my kids are all teenagers actually and um, you know there's so many reasons that parents and communities want schools to reopen and so many reasons to keep them closed mm-hmm. and you know I can see all sides um, there's just so many competing desires and needs and concerns at this time time, it can be overwhelming. And so I just wonder if you could take me through sort of the major concerns for and against reopening schools while this virus continues to rage on. And that's the most difficult part of this, Lynn, is uh, as, a, as anyone who's in a decision-making capacity knows, especially right now, we're never going to make everyone happy. Right. And 50-50, I think, is where our school district is as far as the, the parent survey about mm-hmm. wanting to come back or not. And so no matter which direction you decide to go, you're going to make half of the people upset. And I think that's like a microcosm of what we're dealing with now, where we've got a state that is very divided and the opinions are very strong. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's important to remember, just take the perspective of you're going to do what you think is the best and safest practice. And uh, in doing so, there are going to be people who are going to be upset and it's okay. I mean, no one's going to be pleased. Uh, so that's what makes it very difficult. Some of the things that I would, I would suggest were the most difficult from the group in, in discussing and deciding were things like face masks, uh, at what ages, different things like screening uh, for health concerns as a student comes in. As you probably know, and the listeners know that each school district, we, we asked to develop three different plans, mm-hmm. in-person, hybrid, and online, so that at least they'll be prepared for everything. And then in my specific capacity and subcommittee, we worked on the mental health aspect of school-aged children and what we could do to really support them. So as you can imagine, there was quite a bit to talk about. 
Yeah, I don't think it's an easy job. And I'm really grateful to you guys for doing it and that I didn't have to. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, even as a mom, you know, all of my kids are different and they all have different needs that, you know, I have a high school senior who could be fine online. She's, you know, so in a groove in high school. I know she'd benefit from being face-to-face with instructors and students, but mm-hmm. she, she's got it down and she's got one foot out the door, you know, but my youngest, who's a freshman, mm-hmm. um, he, he really needs to get in a groove and yet um, I don't want to risk everybody. So um, there's just different, different ways to look at this. And I, I don't envy it, but I appreciate you taking me through all of that. Let's pivot to something probably a little bit easier, but um, I'm curious about your involvement in the Michigan College Access Network. So I did a little bit of research and I learned that this is an organization that encourages Michigan residents to earn post-secondary certificates and degrees, not just mm-hmm. to boost their own earning potential and knowledge, but um, to strengthen the state's talent pool and build business and the economy. So I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how you got involved with um, this association and what you do as a lead facilitator. Uh, for sure. So I took the courses myself to start with. As a school counselor, I wanted to make sure that I was fully aware and engaged with what the research shows is the best practice for um, helping students take that next step going mm-hmm. from high school to what's next. And one of the biggest takeaways from those courses and from that, uh, the Michigan College Access Network, is not always that a student must then go to a university or a college. But the stress is that the research shows most people do need some sort of training after high school. Mm -hmm. So most cases, if you're going to be successful and provide for your family, again, not every case, but most cases are going to require you to receive some sort of certification, uh, apprenticeship, apprenticeship, uh, internship, some sort of, some level of furthering your education. And, and of course, the college and university option is available as well. Um, so I took the course and then um, enjoyed it. And the need was there for some um, more people to come on and facilitate because there's, there's literally hundreds of school counselors who are taking it, as well as other people in that field. Uh, related fields. And so I've done that for the past uh, four to five years and really enjoyed the uh, the experience. That's awesome. And I know that the organization um, really wants to promote equity. And so I know they have a special focus on low-income students, first-generation college students, mm-hmm. students of color. Um, and, you know, we are at this moment, this pivotal moment where we're looking at access and equity, you know, across every divide, you know, making sure that there is opportunity for every um, young person to advance and to find their place in their niche. Um, You know, I love that you said that college isn't everybody's destination. I think we're really at a time when we have to reckon with that because with the cost of it and the pressure, you know, that's not for everybody. There are so many valid paths. Mm -hmm. So as a counselor, you know, how do you guide your students to determine which next step is right for them. Again, that's a great question, and one of the one of the things we have to consider is when you're guiding someone um, is not to just give them all the answers and to tell them what you think they should do, but kind of help them come to their own conclusions. Um, and so, in doing that, there's a lot of discussion about you know what's best for your situation and, and what do you really appreciate doing. What do you passionate about. There's been a lot of discussion from students and even from higher education that many students are going to take a gap year Mm -hmm. and and take a year off, which was a small percentage before this. But with COVID-19 and with uh, many colleges and universities going 
uh, primarily online. Mm -hmm. uh, the thought is, why don't I work for a year and save for a year, get some work experience, and then come back when things have calmed down a little bit. If there is any benefit to COVID-19, um, we have been discussing in those multiple groups that you've described, uh, if anything, it has leveled the playing field for everyone for college access. Because things like the SAT and the ACT, the college access standardized exams, mm -hmm. are very rarely being offered now mm -hmm. um, because of social distancing and, and all of the concerns there. So if you were to be a high scorer on the SAT exam and you're not able to take it, mm -hmm. that is kind of removed, has been removed from most, if not all, college university admissions programs. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not a great test taker, or that's just not your uh, expertise, then with that out of the equation, it has leveled the playing field just a little bit. You know, I was just talking about this last night with my daughter who's entering her senior year, and she had taken it a year ago, actually. She got an early start and didn't like her score and was looking forward to the April exam when it was given in school. And of course we weren't there. So um, she's like, Hey, we need to register so that I can take it. And I'm like, I don't really think you need to, but um, I just, I think it's going to be different for these students. And, yes. you know, I just, I love to see how students have really adapted um, by and large to the situation. These are such extenuating times and the kids around me, I don't know if you've seen this too, but they've really taken it in stride. Um, I, I'm not seeing any tantrums. I'm seeing parents be more upset than kids. Mm -hmm. And they're just accepting, like, this is this is the new normal. We will ride it out. And um, they seem to be taking it well. Are you seeing the same thing? Yes. And that's the amazing thing about uh, younger children, especially, is their resiliency. They have the ability to, to take what they're handed in life and run with it and make the best of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're right, as adults, we look back and wish they had better. But if they don't know differently, then they're going to they're going to thrive in no matter, you know, the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also thinking historically, I mean, I was a history teacher before I was a, a counselor. Mm -hmm. And if you look at historically, when when groups of people and generations have gone through such difficult things and different difficult situations and scenarios, mm -hmm. they have come out with amazing amounts of, of strength and character and learning, and you, even as recent as the greatest generation, mm -hmm. as their term, the people who went through two world wars, and many of them went through the depression. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they were called the greatest generation for a reason, the amazing things that they've done, and the strength that came out of going through such difficult times. I mean, that's, that's invaluable. And that's going to serve our young population in such a, a good way. So hopefully that perspective can put a good spin on it too. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's really wonderful. And so, you know, I want to ask you, this show really focuses on meaning and purpose. And we, we really talk about how to determine your own meaning and live by purpose. And so I wonder if that ever factors into your conversations with students um, for each of them to find, you know, what were they put on this earth to do? You know, what is their unique skill or talent or um, gift that um, the world needs. Is this a conversation that you're starting to hear? You know, are you seeing that young people are maybe embracing these concepts? I'd say yes. Uh, those are some of the best conversations that we can have as school counselors, as providers. And again, it's important not to put our own um, influences in into them and tell them what they need to do, but to help them realize that and discover it within themselves. So, uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I, now it's going to be different for everyone. And uh, discovering that meaning, discovering that purpose is going to be key in finding something that you're passionate about and finding um, a reason 
to do what you do. Because if you don't have that purpose, if you don't have that reason um, or those reasons, then you're going to have some struggles and it's going to be more difficult. So uh, very good conversations to have. Yeah. So on that note, I usually um, finish our episodes by asking our guests to offer a permission slip to our listeners. And it's usually sort of, you know, what permission should we give ourselves to go in search of our meaning or to live by purpose? And so I wonder what permission slips you might offer our listeners today. Two things come to mind as you as you talk about the permission slip. The first one is to accept your faults. Don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, we're living in a social media age where everyone's picture looks amazing. And even if they've had the worst day of their lives, they can put a selfie on social media that makes it look like it was you know, the most spectacular day they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to remember that not everyone is who they are on Instagram, Facebook, social media. Accept your flaws, accept your imperfections, accept your weaknesses. It's okay to not be perfect. I think that would be one of the first permission slips uh, as far as general mm-hmm. advice that I would love to give to people. I'd love to give them my own children. I'd love to, to experience more myself is just be okay with who you are. Now to balance that with the tension of continue to have ambition, drive, uh, motivation and purpose like we were talking about earlier and meaning to, to push yourself um, to not become complacent. So there's a tension between those two things of accepting yourself but also not becoming complacent and continuing to challenge yourself every day so that would be the, the first uh, permission slip. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second permission slip, again, coming from the counseling perspective, is to um, not only not be too hard on yourself, but to take time to do self-care. And in the fast-paced world that we live in, it's often something that we overlook and we're serving and helping and doing, and we forget to just be sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if we come to an evening and, you know, all we want to do is, is take a few minutes and watch a TV show. Sometimes people feel guilty about that. Well, I, should be, I should be reading. I should be studying. I should be doing something. And even on a Saturday, I mean, some people are so driven that they just go, okay, I feel lazy if I'm not working or studying or, you know, it's okay to just take some time and just be and slow down and not work mm-hmm. and focus on yourself and focus on your important family relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not a waste of time. That's actually putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help others from that, you know, the airline scenario. Um, Absolutely. That would be my second one. I love it. These are really great pieces of advice and I am so grateful um, to have you on the show. So Josh Smith, thank you so much for being a guest on the Make Meaning podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.